welcome to the Technological Podcast. Okay, hello and welcome back everyone to another episode of Technological. And today we've got special guest Alex Carmen, who is what friends with one of my really good friends and we're we're lucky to have her on the podcast here to talk about her experience in uh, mostly go to market and and sales roles where she's worked at big companies like IBM where I you know uh, my my grid friend was where I spent a lot of time and and now her she's currently at Salesforce or at MuleSoft which was acquired by by Salesforce working as a uh, customer success manager so we're going to cover, you know, her entire journey and experience and story, and, and we're really excited for, for everyone to to hear us. So, with that, Alex, I'll hand it over to you. If you could just quickly give us an introduction of yourself, that would be awesome. Of course. So, yes, I'm Alex Carmen, a senior customer success manager at MuleSoft, a Salesforce company. This year, we structured into industry verticals. So, I'm in the public sector which is our state and local government, nonprofits, and higher education. And I'm based in Brooklyn, New York. Awesome. So why don't we start with, you know, your, your background? So you studied chemistry and economics, which, you know, is not, not the most typical, typical major you see in, in people who uh, would, would find themselves at a tech company. So if you could talk a little bit about, you know, your, your degree and, how you found interest maybe in software technology and some of the internships you pursued, uh, that would be great. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right. <laughs> Chemistry and economics and going to tech is very rare. It's definitely one of my fun facts when I introduce myself. My career into technology. So I studied chemistry at Tulane University. I was started as a chemical engineering major. Um, not particularly because I was thrilled about chemical engineering. I just knew I wanted to go into the STEM, which at the time I graduated 2011. So STEM was the buzz word at the time. And I enjoyed my classes. Um, I realized that I liked more of the chemistry aspect. So more of the natural sciences. I really loved lab. And I then sophomore year, um, changed my major to chemistry. And also with economics, I started Spanish, realized if I want to move into business, I need to signal um, some business competency and get some um, business expertise at school. So I did a minor in economics. And what was interesting about that journey was in studying chemistry, I realize that there are a few paths that you typically go. So you either go med school, you go to pharmacy school, or you become a chemist and essentially go get your PhD. And while I really enjoyed lab, my vision for myself was I would work as a chemist for three to five years, then go get my MBA, and then be on the business side of the STEM companies, how I viewed at the time. And through 
working in the lab, I realized, hey, this is an option. And talking to career fairs, I realized that there were just limited options, like I mentioned. So I used those career fairs. I went to the National Society of Black Engineers, the National Conference, and got to interact with companies like Chevron, um, Intel, Google, IBM was there. And I just used that time to talk about my experience and see where I would be a good fit. And through those conversations, I realized that, hey, I might be a good fit for consulting or sales is what I got a lot of. And um, I don't know if that's particularly because of my background or maybe my personality, but that's what I was getting recommended. So I also was working part-time on campus. So I was a technical support agent. I worked at our help desk essentially. And that was my first, I'd say, experience in technology. So answering questions about our computers, printers, et cetera. And that all of this experience is helping me build my resume and um, not intentionally, but showing me some of the opportunities that were there. And part of the Tulane degree is you have a internship. So I worked with Life City my senior year as a data management intern. So Life City is a, they're a social impact management firm. So they work with small businesses in New Orleans, outside of New Orleans and helping them to be more sustainable. And it's a lot of data entry. They do consulting reports or client reports and I help with the data management. And as an intern at a very small company or startup, uh, I got some experience outside of my role and I did some sales and cold calling unintentionally. Uh, they gave me a script and the <laughs> my first call was to a small business and I read the script and at the end I paused and said, hello. They said, I thought this was a recording. <laughs> so I realized I had to tailor my messaging if I wanted to get more members. That was our model at the time was recruiting individuals and small business to be part of our membership plan. So that was my first experience in sales. And I did not at all think at the time that it would be my career, given that I didn't have a lot of exposure to sales. I didn't even know when people told me what sales was. I thought that was selling perfume at the mall. So all these experiences, a lot of conversations, mentors, informational interviews helped me understand what's available. And at one of those career fairs in New Orleans at the time, I met a recruiter and I walked up to them and said, hey, I've been told that I would be a fit for integrated sales. Can you tell me a little bit more about IBM's program? They told me they have the summit program and they're actively interviewing. I applied and I had an interview. So it was definitely um, kind of serendipity. I would not say that it was something I was actively choosing, but rather I went down a technical path and I think it, I had a lot of experience with data and definitely at Tulane, learning to think quickly, learning about different um, technology through chemistry and also my internship 
and that made me a good candidate. But similarly, I had to our I had to explain my resume a lot and market myself as a person with business and sales experience, although it wasn't, I'd say, the most uh, easy to discern. Yeah, it's always interesting to see, you know, how people kind of end up in tech uh, just through different routes. Like you, you were told you were good for sales and then you kind of just approached IBM. Uh, and then, you know, like the rest is history, but I'm curious. And I think a lot of our viewers are curious, like how was the interview process with IBM and uh, like the summit program specifically and what skills do you think also like your internship um, helped you build that you could take and be like, okay, like I did this internship and now I can apply it to like what I'm going to be doing at IBM and show that to recruiters and like eventually your hiring manager at IBM. Absolutely. The interview process at IBM and most Fortune 500 corporations, they do their recruiting in the fall. So I met them at the Hispanic Engineer Conference in New Orleans. And we, yeah, I, I basically I met them there. I told them I was interested in sales and they recommended I apply. And the interview process was a series of behavioral interviews asking about my experience in sales, asking about my com competitive nature and understanding of technology. And if I remember correctly, I had- Can I, can I ask you one question right there? Sorry, I don't wanna interrupt, but when you talk about competitive nature, what do you talk about in sales? Because I think people kind of get confused with competitive nature in sales and they're like, I have to just beat everyone out versus like, I think personally like kind of can't say that. So like, how do you kind of show you're competitive in, in the sales process or in the interview process for a sales role? Yeah. Um, well, in my experience, they asked candidly, am I competitive? <laughs> and because I was an athlete, that was a way that I would highlight my competitive nature. And what they want to see is your ability to overcome no's. Sales, you get a lot of knows um, customers are on their own timeline. And as a salesperson, there is a nature of wanting to win. And they'll ask questions about how have you dealt with disappointment? How do you persuade someone to align to your recommendations? So they'll ask behavior questions to get a better idea of your persistence and your determination to win. That's great. And, and I kind of have a follow-up question before we get into to, you know, your experience over at IBM and the Summit program and everything. Would you call yourself an, an introvert or an extrovert? I took the Myers-Briggs quiz twice. So while I was at Tulane studying chemistry, I was, I think, INTP. Um, the sorry ISTJ and that was an introvert and when I took it in high school I was ESTJ and then when I took it after college again I was ESTJ and I think that your personality adapts to or at least my personality adapts to my circumstances so being a chemistry major I had to be a introvert to be able to focus on the very complicated subject matter and at 
IBM, being in sales, you're definitely a extrovert, not just with your customers, but also networking within such a large company. I'd say I'm, I like being around people, being in the lab. I really missed that um, social engagement, but I wouldn't say that I'm 100% all the time an extrovert. And I think that in sales, it actually works to my benefit where being able to be more social when I have to, and then also letting customers are, um, maybe there's some customers are less um, talkative or you're in a scenario where it, it might not make sense for me to lead in the conversation. So I, I think actually being flexible and intuitive is, has been more beneficial to being the, uh, just a flat out extrovert. Yeah, great. I mean, the reason I ask that is because when I've talked to people who are trying to figure out what path they want to take within a company or within a tech company, right? They, they figured out, okay, I'm interested in technology. I don't necessarily think I want to be an engineer or in product or in design on the sales side of things. I'm not an extrovert. I don't want to be talking to people all the time, all day. So, you know, what else could I do? And, and that, 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 so thanks for clearing up that you're, you're an introvert by, by personality tests, but are to path in sales. Yeah. I think that that's a good point where people think in sales, you're like you said, a naturally an extrovert and that throws you, but talking to my peers as well, a lot of times it's balanced where if you're working on a deal quote or you're really thinking through strategy that is introverted type of, or I won't say intro introverted, but maybe more pensive and thoughtful solo time and discerning between being an engineer versus a salesperson, it's really, if you want to, how do you want to interact with other people? I think engineering and are developing code, that's a lot of time to yourself and very thoughtful work, but there also is a collaboration aspect to that. I have a cousin and friends who are more technical. And I think that being able to articulate your idea is a skill set that's valuable across fields. In sales, you're articulating the value of a product, but in product management, you might be articulating why this feature enhancement is really important. Sales is fantastic skill for anyone to learn. Yeah, I think uh, at the, sorry, I was just saying at the top level, you're always selling. Whatever industry you're in, like consulting, banking, tech, entrepreneurship, you're just constantly selling. So. 100%. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're even selling your ideas internally, right? <laughs> so yeah, let's, let's fast forward. Um, so now let's talk a little bit about your, your experience at IBM, more about the, the sales role in detail. I think a good starting point would be if you could talk to us a little bit about what the summit program is, what your training was like over in that program, and then maybe diving a little bit into the, the account executive role, you know, what that is, what are your day-to-day -day responsibilities? You know, what are you being measured on? Anything of, of that manner? Absolutely. The summit program was fantastic, especially being a student that didn't study business or sales. 
it is a great opportunity to learn the science and the art of sales. So the summit program is overall a two-year program and the program consists of one technical training, learning technology, learning IBM's point of view and position in the market, as well as some history of technology. IBM is a large company that touches so much in the tech industry. So it was a great entry point into technology to just understand everything from data warehousing, infrastructure, cloud, data science, um, security, and then also managed services and consulting with that. There's also the communicate for impact. So that's the communication aspect, learning how to communicate to different personality types. And then third, there is the summit program, the global, global sales school. And that's a amazing way to learn how to sell. Basically, there's groups of maybe three or four sellers that are your peers. And <laughs> you go through mock sales calls with a sales executive or a sales advisor. So this is someone who has 20, 30 years of experience and they'll play the role of a CIO, a VP of IT. And they give you these different scenarios as to how, how you would get a desired outcome. So it was fantastic in learning the art of selling as well as the science. And along with that, there is a shadowing component. So I was on a team and I got to shadow different people on my team, which was also great because you see the different styles of selling as well as see the, the product and that exercise of selling in, in work. And I did that, I was basically in training for a full year. And then I moved into my role and there was still some training, but it was not full-time essentially, but it was fantastic. I met some of my best friends through the program. Oh, the second one I was gonna mention is the, the question about my role as an account executive and the roles and responsibilities. So given the summit program, I, I actually thought I was gonna ease more into my role. I, I was positioned and told that I would be the API subject matter expert. So I, I was in data and analytics, was, which was a really natural progression for me being a chemistry major, because even though Chem I was a chemistry major, I was a scientist, I still worked with large amounts of data. So I was essentially working with data and my domain just happened to be compounds. <laughs> and I had the data and analytics team, but I was a SME or subject matter expert in this particular area. And I was supposed to shadow them and I had a small quota associated with it. During that time, IBM restructured and we aligned to industry. So I was in the industrial market, automotive, oil and gas, real estate, and manufacturing. And it felt like a flip of a switch. So I woke up on Monday and I had a territory, I had customers, I had um, outstanding items I had to address. And I would say not having any idea of what enterprise sales is or was at the time, I still don't know if I really understood my role until six months in. But 
my day-to-day was looking at my pipeline, whether that was deals that I inherited or deals that I was generating. Building pipeline is the term that we use in sales, but looking at my pipeline and seeing how I'm measured against my number. That was something I had on my laptop every day is this is my quota. How am I going to chip at this? (laughs) And also there's an aspect of forecasting to management. So that's something that you're putting a number, a commit number to what you're going to contribute to the business. So that's internal and externally, I'm having a number of conversations with customers. Some of them are more preliminary, educating them on our product or outbounding, outbound calls, trying to build interest in our product and maybe purchasing from us. And then there's later on the sales cycle where I'm working with a solution engineer and we're having demos or a proof of concept where that's a demo with the customer's data. Yeah, that seems like a, a big step up just from the summit program to going and, you know, managing your own territory, having your own industries. I, I kind of have a question around like the industry aspect. So how is it learning and really getting to know a new industry? So right now I know at the beginning you mentioned you're at MuleSoft, uh, like kind of covering public, um, the public sector. But when you got those industries that you did at IBM, like how, how did they differ across um, when you were selling? And like, how did you make sure you were you knew what you were talking about for that specific industry, especially like starting day one. Absolutely. There's the enterprise technology crosses all industries. And I'd say getting rooted in the technology through my training was definitely helpful to understand what the technology does and learning those value propositions, basically how that technology helps businesses achieve their desired outcome. And learning the industry is a journey, frankly. I read up on different industry articles, whether that's Twitter, magazines, LinkedIn, thought leaders in the space. One, to understand the industry trends, and two, a lot of times Forbes or Fortune will have articles on top technology trends in X industry. And that's a great way to start to understand, one, the challenges and opportunities in that industry and how technology enables it. And it's it's definitely sophisticated because I had to understand the technology, think through what customers are experiencing and align software to their goals. And doing that again, (laughs) moving into the public sector, I've had public sector accounts prior, but really understanding their language is really important. I think that that's key in being able to speak to customers. Everyone has their own or every industry has their own language. They have things and goals that they want to achieve and successful salespeople are able to speak the language that resonates with their customer rather than language that I use or people, technology vendors use to be most impactful. I'd have to use language that means something to them. Yeah, that's that's super, super helpful because I know even with some of the IBM cloud 
software that that I'd worked on prior. I mean, I think now there's there's more of a focus on certain specific industry verticals, but a lot of our products are also very industry agnostic. And then we have use cases very targeted towards healthcare or towards financial services or you know oil and gas. So um, yeah, that's that's good to good to hear. You mentioned a couple sales terms, right? Um, quota, building pipeline, and total commit. Do you mind just elaborating a little bit on those those terms? Because I think for some of our viewers, you know, and I know there there are different responsibilities depending on the sales cycle, right? Like there's there's leads, and then there's actually closing the deal and, and commit. So if you could kind of use use your sales expertise to help educate everybody, that would be great. I am absolutely trying to get away from using jargon, so it's great to have to think how to define words that I use in my everyday language. So I'll start with quota. So that is a dollar amount that an individual salesperson is responsible to contributing. And within that, there's 100% attainment. So if you have a million dollar quota, that means you achieved a million dollar quota, or you would sold a million dollars worth of software or whatever product that person is selling. And pipeline. So that is the, how do I describe that? Pipeline is the list or the grouping of deals that contribute to one's quota. So this is probably more math, but in, in a little bit of stylistics, but if you have, again, a million dollar quota, maybe leadership or one salesperson would say, I want three times my quota in pipeline. So that will be $3 million worth of deals of dollar amounts that are in various stages in the sales cycle. And the sales cycle, that's also, I'd say, determined by the company and the language they use. But I'd say early stage would be early conversations, discovery, finding out what the customer wants as the deal, the sales process progresses, you would want to understand if the customer has budget, if this is a strategic and high priority um, initiative for the, the customer, and then closing. And I think that that's a really difficult skill set to get because that's being able to align the customer to an end date, not just talking ideas and it'll be great if we do this, but getting the customer to commit to executing a contract with the company. And there's another term that we use is closed plan. So that's building a plan, sometimes internally, a lot of times also with the customer on these, on, these are the agreed next steps that we need to achieve mutually on my side and on your side my side as a vendor, your side as a customer, to close. Was there another word that I, oh, maybe commit. That's... Commit was the other one, yeah, that I was gonna 
yeah, commit is, is committing to the business. So that could be Salesforce, IBM, whatever your employer is, that is committing to them that they will see this dollar amount. I'll keep up with a million dollars in sales. But a lot of times that quota isn't achieved in one deal. There's many deals that build a quota. So you might achieve a million dollar quota with one deal and that's fantastic. Or there might be five, 10, 15 different size deals that a salesperson will close to meet their quota. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for kind of, you know, shedding transparency into some of the jargons in, in sales. I know some people, I mean, it can get confusing, right? Like every industry has its own jargon and it all gets kind of muddled up, but I, I kind of want to take it back to like more of your career focus now. And you're at IBM, you know, it's going well, what kind of made you make the jump to MuleSoft and what kind of like drove that jump? Uh, and then just uh, kind of expanding on that, how was it originally coming into MuleSoft, you know, coming from like, you know, a large company like IBM to like a smaller company like MuleSoft? Absolutely. When I decided to leave IBM, I actually had been there for four years. I had been promoted and I got to a point where I'm looking at my career trajectory and an account executive is a great role. I'd say that a lot of people are traditional career paths and is people want to get to the account executive role. And then once you're there, you get promoted, you could continue to get promoted, make more money and as an account executive or leadership. Taking a role in customer success is rare from being an account executive. And I did a lot of thinking on where do I wanna take my career? And I was fortunate to be able to start my career really early as an account executive. And I had to think about what skills do I want? Where do I want to take it? And I loved selling strategy and vision with being an account executive, selling data and analytics software. However, as a salesperson, you sell the vision, you sell the product and I often was removed from the delivery and execution because I'm looking for the next deal. And I'm a curious person and I want to understand what does it take to execute this initiative, this project and post sales. And I was considering a few different roles and I, I wanted customer success, but I was very specific in the type of customer success organization that I wanted to go into. And there's a few reasons that led me to MuleSoft, which is a Salesforce acquisition. So one, MuleSoft is a very robust platform. I was selling data and analytics software and often during the our sales cycle, customers would ask, does this integrate with this product? So integration was a key pain point that I've often, I often saw. And MuleSoft is an integration platform. So that's number one. Number two, because of the power and how robust the platform is, they have a very strategic framework to how they go about customer success. And I found that intriguing because 
I was very good at the art of selling and I wanted to harden my project management, program management skills. And I saw customer success as a way to understand more of the science of delivery and execution. Can you just kind of describe the big differences between account executive and customer success? And um, like, you know, like what the different roles are exactly just so our viewers know, like the exact change that you're making from like, Absolutely. So an an account executive is the salesperson. So they are pre-sales. They um, work with a oftentimes the inside sales rep, solution engineer, but they are responsible from the opportunity opening to close. And I'd say that that's a hunter type of role. Um, Depending on the maturity of the organization, some um, account executives, there's opportunity to expand existing customers. Some startups have a lot of green field where they're primarily hunting into no new customers. And, but all of those roles, pre-sales. Customer success is after the deal is closed, how is this customer successful? How do we ensure that this customer is realizing the outcomes that was determined during the sales cycle. So as a customer success manager, I do work closely with account executives to understand what was the vision, what is the customer trying to achieve with our product? And therefore I build a plan with the customer to help them be successful, understand their milestones, their timelines, what metrics are interesting to them. And it's very collaborative and very strategic. And I think the the approach is different because it's more of the, how would I say it? Yeah, I think I'll leave it at that. I think that's good. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. I think it, and I mean, I can try to take a stab at from my understanding. I think like the biggest difference between pre-sales from what I've seen is, you know, let's hit that quota. Let's have as many conversations as we can with new clients and, and generate more pipeline and close deals. Whereas on, on the post-sales side with the CSMs that, you know, I've worked with in the past and, and today it's so much, so much focus on, you know, who is like this specific client or my set of clients, how do I continue to help deliver value uh, on what our platform provides for them? How do I sort of expand their use cases and continue to drive more adoption, right? And so I think they're, they are very, very different mindsets and do take different intentional skills and, and conversations with clients. So... Um because also a metric that customer success managers are interested, you mentioned success and business adoption. So what's often happens is a CIO or an executive purchases a product and having the developers, the analysts, the team adopt and leverage the product is key. I think that that leads to success is having the customer really embrace the product and understand that it does bring value. So that's part of the, the 
I'd say, charter of customer success. Great. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome and very helpful. So I also do want to talk a little bit about your diversity and inclusion work kind of outside of work uh, or outside of, you know, your day-to-day jobs at, at IBM and then now at Salesforce. So would you be able to just talk a little bit about that? And it would also be great to hear about, I think it's a lot of it's related to uh, the public sector and, and technology. So, yeah. Yes, I have been working in diversity, equity, inclusion before I even started working. I was president of the National Society of Black Engineers and that really was how I got into technology. So I was very and still passionate about educating young students on the opportunities in technology. We've all mentioned how these roles, customer success, account executive, product marketing, they didn't exist when I was in school. And I've always been passionate about helping students understand that one, empower them that they are qualified for these roles. There's not a product marketing major, or maybe there will be soon, but helping them to understand they have skills and experiences that are aligned to the market. And it's really coaching them and mentoring on how to position and market themselves to these roles. Because what's what are the roles now? Who, who knows where they go? So I really enjoy that aspect because I also was a benefactor of it. They really helped mentors and engineers. They really helped me understand what the options are in the, in the industry because as much as academia would like to stay on par, it, industry moves really fast. So that's one thing that I've always been passionate about. And early on in my career at IBM, I took a mentorship role through the summit program. I would speak on panels about my experience, how to get the most out of your experience or training at IBM. And a lot of questions I got was, what is it like being in sales? Because they also didn't know what to expect. And through being active in the summit program, mentoring new summit trainees, I also started recruiting. And I was living in Atlanta at the time and I focused on the HBCU, so the Atlanta University Center. I recruited at Spelman, Morehouse, and Clark. And I really enjoyed going there, also participating in panels. I was able to do interviews as well. And I continued that at Salesforce. And what's been interesting about being at a acquired startup is it's still very small. There's a lot of opportunity to grow and tinker with different projects. So what I'm doing right now is part of a team launching our first global internship program. And what's been amazing about that is we're starting this program with diversity, equity, inclusion at the foundation. So that's been really fun to work with leadership and other teams and find areas for us to bring diversity, equity, inclusion to MuleSoft and make it part of our fabric. And those are projects that I've worked with in my companies, but also to the startup ecosystem, I've 
written for Career Karma. That's a startup, a Y Combinator startup that is looking to, or their goal is to match 1 million people in tech jobs. And I did some writing for them about untraditional paths into technology. And I think that that's diversity inclusion has a large meaning. And of course, there's the aspects of race identity, but also untraditional backgrounds. There's a number of people who are nurses, chemistry majors, et cetera, that have an opportunity to get into tech. And a lot of times it's understanding the language and having mentors to help navigate and give them guidance. Yeah, I think, think you touched on like some really important points, especially at the beginning when you talked about how there's no major for like product marketing or your customer success or any of these, like we completely agree. It's kind of like why we started the podcast, right? It's, it's how do we bring transparency into, you know, this confusing, ever-changing world of technology. And then um, second around, like, you know, the discussion around DE&I, sorry, it's called DNI in a couple of places, DEI some places. So sorry if I pronounced it wrong, but anyways, yeah, I think the untraditional backgrounds is like also really interesting, especially as tech starts to enter different industries and people are like, oh, what can I do with this? How can I use it? I come from like a major that maybe I haven't worked with technology, but now it's going to be relevant in my field. So how do I you know, upskill myself? So I think I think the work there is really cool and interesting. And it's really interesting to hear how you're building out like the global internship program as well. I think that's like a really good way to define what the company will be. Uh, moving forward. Um, so I know we're getting close to time here and I really want, want to ask you like one last question. It's kind of like, what is your ending advice for someone that wants to go into sales and wants to, you know, either go become an account executive or go into customer success and, you know, like just any advice you have around there and working at like a bigger tech company versus like a smaller startup. That'd be great. I think one, to get into sales, learning how to sell yourself. That was something I did during college as a chemistry major and then realizing that I want to pivot. So being able to sell yourself and speak to experiences to when you have had to sell, number one. Number two, it's a dynamic job. Um, I think once you learn how to sell, um, it, you're able to take that, you could sell software, you could sell uh, cloud hardware, you could sell anything, but really mastering the sales process and understanding that there's an art to it, but also a science. And that goes to back to building pipeline, understanding and building your routine for how you are going to achieve your goals. And alongside with that, being ambitious. Um, that's why people aspire or work towards having 3x two times their quota, because if you overachieve, that's fantastic, but you want to make your minimum. And being diligent about your routine, and that's, and I think that varies from people that I've watched and mentored. Um, some people push out sales calls every day and they just carve out time in their schedule. And I think that being able to allocate your time and allocate your time where the best investment, that's going to come from your, your own internal compass 
And along with that, I say really learning the science of what is needed to be successful and the steps. There's different frameworks. I'm going to use some jargon, medic and um, different clothes plans and things that I've seen sales executives want to see out of a deal to qualify if it's in quote real. Along with those metrics and frameworks, there is a style to it. And I think that that's something that's been fun becoming more experienced in selling is learning my unique style and what works for me and also learning from other people. I have never stopped shadowing my peers and keeping up to date with best practices and what's happening in the market. I think always being able to learn whether that's your industry or product, but also different sales approaches, I'm always learning.